Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. We share good news and godly wisdom to empower you to be salt and light in every season of life. Revelation 19.7 tells us to rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. What are we doing as the Bride of Christ to be prepared in our heart? Listen as Doug shares how to prepare our hearts to create an atmosphere attractive for His presence. After the episode, consider leaving a review and follow us on your favorite streaming service. If you've gleaned anything from this podcast, consider paying it forward with a gift at somebodycares.org. Now let's join our host, Doug Stringer. I must admit that in the midst of all the things that could become so discouraging, overwhelming, disheartening around the world, to see the human tragedies that are taking place, the conflicts, the divisions, the wars and rumors of wars, I have to admit I am so encouraged by what seems to be a holy hunger for the presence of God when you hear about what's happening on various campuses. I know everybody has an opinion, everybody has their personal preferences, everybody has their thoughts and ideas, but the reality is when there is an element of hunger taking place, longing for the presence of God that bears fruit in the areas of self-reflection, personal repentance, and corporate commissioning by God, God is up to something. So rather than looking at the cup half empty, let's look at the cup half full and be encouraged that God has a way of sorting things out, even with those who may do it for the wrong motivations. We see in Scripture that some do it for this reason or for that reason, but the bottom line is Jesus is being preached. The gospel is going forward. So in the midst of all that's happening, I am encouraged in the midst of a world of bad news. There is an element of hunger that is beginning to take place within the church that I pray would be awakened because we need an awakening in the church if we're going to be able to have influence in the culture. And if we're going to see a massive move of God or revival, as some call it, and even as Winky Prattney, my dear friend, says in previous podcasts, That rather than praying for revival, let's pray to the revival giver so God can do a work in us and then do a work through us and revival will come forth from that. I am encouraged in this hunger that I see. In fact, years ago, I wrote an article on the four things that come out of hunger, the four things that attracts the presence of God. One is holiness. And that's not some sort of external piety, but I'm talking about the inward consecration of the heart. The second thing that I believe attracts the presence of God and bears fruit is true, authentic humility. Humility is attractive where arrogance is repulsive. I know that God in His Word promises that those who come before Him in humility of a humble spirit, He will not turn away. A broken and contrite spirit, God does not turn away. There's something about humility that attracts God's presence. I won't go into the full teaching because I've taught it before. Maybe in a future podcast, I'll unpack it some more. But the third thing that I believe that attracts God's presence is the place of honesty. First and foremost, honesty between us and God, that we are transparent, vulnerable, and open before the Lord. We don't cover up with those proverbial fig leaves to hide from God, but we are transparent and open and naked before God for Him to do a work in us. So honesty, in fact, we need to have a love for truth more than we have for anything else. You've heard me share before out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that we are given over to delusion or strong delusion if we no longer have the love for truth. 
What keeps us from being deceived or deception around us in the culture in which we live is to be lovers of truth, to love the truth, who the way, the truth, and the life is the Lord Himself. If we have a love for Him and a love for His truth, it's less likely that we've been swayed away to those things that are deceptive or those things that will cause us to stumble. We need to be a people that are honest with ourselves and honest with God, open and transparent and naked before the Lord. Honesty is attractive to God. And fourth, I believe what's attractive to God is honor. When we honor the Lord, it says in Malachi, if I am your father, where is my honor? We need to be a people who truly want to honor the Lord, not just in what we do publicly or say publicly, but in our private relationship, that personal private consecration with God, that even in private in the unseen place where nobody else can see, you've heard me say before, it's what we do behind closed doors when no one else can see but God that determines the power of God or lack of it in public. There's something about the place of honoring God. If we honor the Lord in our private and public ways, God then is attracted to us and His presence is a part of our lives. Everything we do must be born out of the presence of God. So what attracts His presence helps us to walk with His presence, and everywhere we go, His presence is manifested, dispelling darkness, dispelling evil, exposing and giving us discernment, and exposing those things that could be deceptive in our lives, or the things that could take us away from the place of His presence. I came across a teaching by A.W. Tozier, and I want to share this with you. It's called How to Have Personal Revival. Now, he said first, Get thoroughly dissatisfied with yourself. He goes on to say, Any Christian who desires may at any time experience a radical spiritual renaissance, and this altogether independent of the attitude of his fellow Christians. The most important question is, how? Well, here are some suggestions, he says, which anyone can follow and which I am convinced, he says, will result in a wonderfully improved Christian life. I love what he says here. Complacency is the deadly enemy of spiritual progress. The contented soul is the stagnant soul. When speaking of earthly goods, the Apostle Paul could say, I have learned to be content. But when referring to his spiritual life, he testified, I press on toward the mark. So stir up the gift of God that is in thee. And number two, A.W. Tozer said, set your face like a flint toward a sweeping transformation of your life. Timid experiments are tagged for failure before they even start. We must throw our whole soul into our desire for God. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Number three says, put yourself in the way of blessing. It is a mistake to look for grace to visit us as a kind of benign magic, or to expect God's help to come as a windfall apart from conditions known and met. There are plainly marked paths which lead straight to the green pastures. Let us walk in them, he says. To desire revival, for instance, and at the same time to neglect prayer devotion is to wish one way and walk another. Number four, he says, do a thorough job of repenting. Do not hurry to get over with it. Hasty repentance means shallow spiritual experience and lack of certainty in the whole life. Let godly sorrow do her healing work. Until we allow the consciousness of sin to wound us, we will never develop a fear of evil. It is our wretched habit of tolerating sin that keeps us in our half-dead condition. Before I go to A.W. Tozer's fifth point, 
Let me stop for a moment, especially in context of what's been happening at Asbury University as well as other schools, because I think of John Wesley. And John Wesley once said, Give me 500 men who fear nothing but God and hate nothing but sin, and we will change the world. Oh, that we would hate sin and to walk in a reverential posture before the living God. To fear God is not to be afraid of God, but to walk in that place of loving His presence and not wanting to be away or out of His presence. Again, what attracts His presence is holiness, humility, honesty, and honor. Now, A.W. Tozer goes on to say, number five, make restitution wherever possible. If you owe a debt, pay it, or at least have a frank understanding with your creditor about your intention to pay. So your honesty will be above question. If you have quarreled with anyone, go as far as you can in an effort to achieve reconciliation. As fully as possible, make the crooked things straight. Let me just tell a little story. There was someone who came to the Lord through our ministry many years ago. He was a tow truck driver, had been a 19-year methadone heroin addict, and he got radically saved through our ministry. And I remember one day he walked into my office and said, you got a minute? I said, sure, Bob. We sat down and he had this big manila thick envelope and he says, I need you to pray and lay hands on this. I go, what is it? He goes, I'm going to be honest and I'm going to pay my taxes. Now, here's a guy who was an independent contractor who had his own tow truck and he could cut corners, but I had been teaching on the perfect law of liberty, that there are things we could probably get away with, but God sees and God knows. So the reality is if we really want to walk in the perfect law of liberty in God, we'll do the right thing, even if we think we can get away with the wrong thing. So where possible, as A.W. Tozer said, make restitution wherever possible. Number six, he says, bring your life into one accord with the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount and other New Testament scriptures are designed to instruct us in the way of righteousness, he says. An honest man with an open Bible and a pad and a pencil is sure to find out what is wrong with him very quickly. I recommend that the self-examination be made on our knees, rising to obey God's commandments as they are revealed to us from his word. There is nothing romantic or colorful about this plain, downright way of dealing with ourselves, but it gets the work done. Isaac's workmen did not look like heroic figures as they dug in the valley, but they got the wells open, and that was what they had set out to do. Number seven, of which A.W. Choja says in How to Have Personal Revival, is be serious-minded. He says, You can well afford to see fewer comedy shows on TV. Unless you break away from the funny boys, he says, every spiritual impression will continue to be lost to your heart, and that right in your own living room. The people of the world used to go to the movies to escape serious thinking about God and religion. The devil's ideals, moral standards, and mental attitudes are being accepted by you in your own living room without your even knowing it. And you wonder why you can make no progress in your Christian life. Your interior climate is not favorable to the growth of spiritual graces. There must be permanent improvement in your interior life. He says, number eight, deliberately narrow your interest. The jack of all trades is the master of none. The Christian life requires that we be specialists. Too many projects uses up time and energy without bringing us nearer to God. If you will narrow your interest, God will enlarge your heart. Jesus only seems to the unconverted man to be the motto of death. But a great company of happy men and women can testify 
that it became to them a way in the world infinitely wider and richer than anything they had ever known before. Christ is the essence of all wisdom, beauty, and virtue. To know Him in growing intimacy is to increase in appreciation of all things good and beautiful. The mansions of the heart will become larger when their doors are thrown open to Christ and closed against the world and sin. He says, try it. Number nine, begin to witness. Find something to do for God and your fellow men. Refuse to rust out. Make yourself available to your pastor and do anything you're asked to do. Do not insist upon a place of leadership. Learn to obey. Take the low place until such time as God sees fit to set you in a higher one. Back your new intentions with your money and your gifts such as they are. And A.W. Tozer says, number 10, have faith in God. Begin to expect, look up toward the throne where your advocate is at God's right hand. All heaven is on your side. God will not disappoint you. A.W. Tozer concludes in how to have a personal revival with, if you follow these suggestions, you will most surely experience revival in your own heart. And who can tell how far it may spread? God knows how desperately the church needs a spiritual resurrection, and it can only come through the revived individual. Be somebody for God. I like this quote from E.M. Bounds. The men and women who have most fully illustrated Christ in their character and have most powerfully affected the world for Him have been those who have spent so much time with Him as to make it a notable feature of their own lives. Over a period of time, they come to the place where they become like Him and, consequently, they reflect His glory. Ian Bounds goes on to say, To be little with God is to be little for God. To be much with God is to be much for God. Psalm 62, 5 and 6 says, O my soul, wait thou only upon God, for He is my rock and my salvation. I shall not be moved. And then finally, I want to give a quote by Charles Finney. A revival may be expected when Christians have a spirit of prayer for a revival. That is, when they pray as if their hearts were set upon it. When Christians have the spirit of prayer for a revival, then they go about groaning out their heart's desire. When they have real travail of soul, Charles Finney. So let me conclude today in saying, I am encouraged by what seems to be an authentic, organic hunger for God, especially from this next generation, our younger generation, because every great move of God has been sparked in the midst of the most difficult of times through unexpected sparks of revival. I'm so encouraged by the renewed hunger by especially our young generation, but I'm praying for a multi-generational connection as a prophetic generation to prepare the way for an outpouring of God's presence and ultimately the coming of Christ. Matthew 5, 6 is a great reminder to us today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Yes, let's be hungry for God. Let's be hungry for His presence. Dissatisfied with the frivolous and the things of this world, let us truly attract His presence in our hunger, attracting His presence by holiness, humility, honesty, and honor. God, come. Lord, we ask you to come in a renewed and fresh way. Give us a fresh revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. Jesus, we realize there's not salvation, healing, liberation, or deliverance without a personal relationship with you. Fill us afresh, Lord, with a hunger after you, a desire, a hunger and thirst 
after your righteousness that we might be filled. Fill us with that fresh anointing. Fill us with your vision. Fill us with direction and clarity. Fill us with renewed hope and strength, Lord God, for there is nothing without you. We are nothing without you, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Be drawn to our hunger and our passion for your presence. God, let your presence dispel all darkness and let your light shine in a way that it shall bring others to you because they see you in your people. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.